This week in the news, you cannot escape the coronavirus. On a today's episode of the podcast, I'm going to be looking at what long-term effects it might have on your supply chain. You're listening to the Make It British podcast. I'm Kate Hills and I'm on a one-woman mission to save UK manufacturing. I invite you to join me each week when I'll be sharing the stories behind some of the best British-made brands and UK manufacturers and offering you advice and tips for making in the UK. So let's crack on with the show. Hello and welcome to episode 110 of the Make It British podcast. So today's episode is probably going to go out a little bit late. And that's because I'm recording it on the Monday at sometime in the afternoon, long after I should have got the files for this podcast to my editor. So I doubt he's going to be able to get this particular episode out to you all in time. But there's a kind of good reason why this episode is not going out quite when it should be. And that is because of the terrible situation we have and that we all find ourselves in with the coronavirus at the moment. And as many of you know, as in fact, I'm sure as everyone knows that listens to this podcast, we have our Make It British Live trade show and conference planned for next week. In fact, we're just seven days away from going on site to start building the show, ready for the thousands of people that come every year to that event to find UK manufacturers and brands that make in the UK. Now, we're waiting to find out how the coronavirus situation is going to develop because as we stand today at the time of recording this, The government's advice and guidelines are that big events should still continue to go ahead as planned. So we are keeping calm and carrying on. But inside, I'm not so calm because it is a very worrying time. It's a very worrying time for everyone. And the thought of putting on a show with only half the amount of people potentially there that would normally come. I mean, ironically, we have had 40% more bookings for people to come and visit the show this year than we have the previous year. So it was panning out to be a really, really busy show. We've got a wonderful lineup of speakers who are all planning to still come to the event and talk at the event. But we also are conscious of the fact that you might not all want to come to London, particularly if you have any underlying health um, issues. You might be thinking it's quite risky to come and mix with thousands of people, you know, shake hands with people. However, I can reassure you that, you know, we have all of the measures in place at the venue and As far as I see, it's no different from going to work in an office every day. Yes, there'll be lots of people there, but are you in any closer contact at a big event like that than you might be if you were just going about your everyday business? 
Maybe yes, if you're the sort of person that works from home, um, but certainly not if you're working in a busy retail buying office, for instance, or if you're working uh, in a factory and you employ you know, lots of people. So as it stands, we are currently still going ahead with Make It British Live. We're certainly still getting lots of you booking for tickets, which is brilliant. And we've even had an inquiry this morning for someone that wants to book a last minute stand. So we will still be going ahead as it stands of the recording of this podcast today, which you can see now why I left it a little bit last minute to record it because I thought I'm going to record this podcast and then everything's going to have changed. Um, but what I do want to talk to you about today and which has got me thinking is about what we can learn from the coronavirus and the impact it's having on supply chains and on businesses that rely on making products and where the raw materials from those products might come from. So I thought it'd be good today to talk about what I see some of the risks are and some of the things that we can learn from what is happening at the moment with the coronavirus. Now, Back in 2003, when I was working as a buyer for Marks and Spencers, we had the SARS outbreak in China. And that was actually, believe it or not, one of the reasons why I now run Make It British. Because I remember working for Marks and Spencers at the time, and we were due to go on a trip to the Far East, to Hong Kong, and then on to China to go and visit the factories we worked with out there. And then the SARS outbreak happened. And we found that our trip was cancelled and it did become more tricky to secure a lot of the products that we were looking to order for that particular season back in 2003. And that got me thinking at the time, we're putting all of our eggs in one basket here if we source the majority of our products from the Far East because something like this happens and it gets out of control and it affects China and the factories shut in China, we, we haven't really got a backup plan. What's our plan B? And what we certainly haven't got if this virus spreads further, which is what I thought at the time, is manufacturing in the UK. We've, uh, you know, we have no, we've got rid of our last UK supplier on the department that I was on at M&S at the time. So there was no opportunity to to you know, replace the product that was supposed to be coming from China with a local option. So that was probably the first time that I started thinking about finding the manufacturers that were left in the UK and doing something about helping to support them and supporting the manufacturing base that we have in the UK. So now we come to the situation we're in now, which is some 17 years later, and we've got the coronavirus, which is on a completely different scale to that SARS virus back in, in 2003. And what have we got left in the UK? What are brands and retailers to do when they suddenly find that the factories that are supposed to be delivering stock for high summer and winter are closing or are closed and they're not able to get the product they want because no product in the stores equals no sales? So I wanted to talk about, firstly, what impact this is having on UK manufacturers currently, and then what opportunities there are to learn for this and to mitigate any sorts of effects for something like this going forward. Now, 
As far as how it's affecting UK manufacturers, we ran a survey a couple of weeks ago, which many of you might have seen. We did that in collaboration with the BBC News, BBC Business. And we asked UK manufacturers how their inquiries were going at the moment. Had they seen more inquiries as a result of what was going on um, globally? And we were quite surprised with the findings that quite how many of those manufacturers were being impacted. A lot of them were seeing more inquiries from people that were almost panic buying product in the UK because they had lost those or lost out on those orders they were supposed to be getting from overseas. In fact, more than half of the manufacturers we surveyed at the time, and this was two weeks ago, were saying they'd had new inquiries from new companies and a lot of those inquiries were leading to orders. So that could be a good thing that people are starting to look locally to manufacture because of this. But at the same time, a lot of those manufacturers expressed concern because the raw materials they were using were coming from overseas. So take, for instance, a silk weaver. They might be weaving the fabric in the UK, but that yarn that they're using could be spun in Italy. The silk, the raw silk is probably coming from China. The same goes for a lot of manufacturers that are working in the fashion and textile industry is that their fabrics could be coming from overseas because we we can't pretend that we make every type of fabric here still in the UK. There are still so many types of fabrics that we, we don't manufacture here anymore. But the thing that the manufacturers that we surveyed were most worried about was that the increase in inquiries for from new customers at the moment are all very well and good, but what happens when factories reopen in China or Italy and those customers then decide to jump back out of their UK factories and take their orders overseas again? And that's nothing worse for a manufacturer because they need commitment from people and they need to keep their production lines full. So if they have to take on a lot of new staff to fulfil these new orders... If those new orders then dry up again, they've got that staffing bill still to pay. And that is not a situation a manufacturer wants to be in with a half empty order book and lots of staff to pay. So it's a it's a double edged sword at the moment with this interest in making locally because of the coronavirus. However, what I do hope happens as a result of this, if there is one silver lining to come out of this terrible global situation that we're currently in, is that people will start thinking more about their supply chains and exactly how many different countries everything has to travel through and about what those risks are and should they not now have options for making locally. Certainly from an environmental perspective, making more product locally can only be a good thing. And I dread to think how much product is going to be flown over from China or wherever else where the factories have been shut because of the coronavirus and then they reopen again and the stores need to get those products quickly into store and to the customers so it's all going to end up on a plane and leave a huge carbon footprint. And that that is what worries me. What I do think we'll see come out of this is that prices on products like fashion and textiles 
will start to rise as a result of the impact that the coronavirus has had on the supply chains. And that in turn also helps the environment because if prices rise, people will start thinking about quality rather than quantity because they won't afford to be able to buy huge quantities of clothing anymore. So as prices gradually go up on clothing, people will start to buy less, especially if it has the especially if the virus has the impact on the global economy that it is what everyone thinks is going to happen. People are going to be a little bit more concerned about how much they're actually spending on those non-essential items. And fashion and textiles is one of those non-essential items. So it's crazy to think that it takes such a terrible global thing as the coronavirus that will actually maybe have that impact on the way people think about the products that they're buying. We've all taken it for granted for far too long that we can walk into a shop and buy pretty much anything we want. And yet it wasn't that long ago that, well, certainly in my grandma's time when we had rationing during the war, when you couldn't just buy anything you want. And we're kind of getting to that stage now with the coronavirus. You know, you can't buy loo roll in my local supermarket or hand sanitizer. And the same is probably going to happen with fashion and textiles. And actually, when you look at what happened during the war, when there was rationing on things like fabric, it caused people to completely think about how they design products. So before the war, you had dresses with lots of fabric in and very ostentatious and embellished. And then when rationing happened, designers, I mean, I think Christian Dior was the first person who then designed something that was short for ladies and used very little fabric. And and design started to be influenced by the availability of fabric and what you could get and how little fabric you're actually allowed to use in each particular garment. And will we see that start to impact products now, post the coronavirus, designers actually starting to design a product based on what raw materials they can get locally because they don't want to put their supply chain at risk going forward by sourcing materials that are coming from all over the world. And I think we'll start to see more of that. We've certainly seen that at Make It British with more people contacting us, particularly through the live chat on our website, which is a very busy channel of communication for us. We get hundreds of messages through there a day, which is really revealing about what people are thinking right now. So they're going onto Google and they're looking for certain things. They're typing in the search. Um, let me think of an example. Um, bra fittings made in the UK and then make it British pretty much always pops up on the first page for all these searches. So they come on our website and they start asking the question on our live chat, does anyone make bra fittings in the UK? And through that, we get a really good understanding exactly what people are thinking right now and what they are looking for sourcing right now. And we've seen a huge increase in people asking just those sorts of questions. Is there anyone in the UK that makes this? And it was a bit like just after Brexit, we started seeing a lot of international people. So they'd come on our website from um, USA, for instance, was really popular, saying, now that the UK is leaving the EU, 
I really want to buy British made products. I am looking for someone that makes, um, you know, coats in the UK or what is the best brand of British gin? Because I'm in the States and I and I want to start buying it now. And the thing that we're seeing more than anything else over the last few weeks since the coronavirus breakout started is where can I find this product made locally? So people are starting to look for those alternatives that are made here. And I do think it will start impacting and influencing the design of products because people will start designing that into their product something that they can actually get that's made here. So for instance, we might see more people start to use yarns and fabrics that have British wool in them. I mean, that would be fantastic, wouldn't it? So that's definitely one thing I think to look out for and to bear in mind. Now, one of the other things we can also learn from the whole coronavirus situation and its effects on supply chains is that you shouldn't have all your eggs in one basket. And that's in terms of factories. It's really quite risky to just be working with one factory. You know, if you're working with just one factory and they have a coronavirus outbreak or someone in that factory that, you know, hopefully doesn't happen, but that it does, and they have to close that factory for a while, that's a huge risk. And it's same as it's a huge risk sourcing everything from one factory. It's also a huge risk if you only have one supplier for all your raw materials. So if there is something to be taken from this, it's don't put all of your eggs in one basket. Just like I thought, you know, back when I was in those days working at M&S and China was pretty much our only supplier for 70 or 80 percent of our ranges on that department. And the same when I worked for Debenhams. I was buying swimwear and we bought all of our swimwear from the Far East because they told me to get rid of my Portuguese supplier, which was my only local, local-ish supplier. You know, I dread to think now what's happening to swimwear departments in, in big stores like that because the majority of swimwear is made overseas, especially at the moment as we're coming into summer. So it's a huge risk. So there's definitely lessons to be learned from this terrible situation about how we can manage risk and when it comes to supply chains. The other thing I think it's worth bearing in mind is how much of your business can be run with people working from home. And thinking particularly on something like production, can any of your product be made by someone working as an outworker rather in a factory. And I talked about this. I did an episode at the beginning of the year about what I saw as my big trends for UK manufacturing in the coming year. And one of those things was about a return to cottage, um, more like a cottage industry than industrial manufacturing and people using outworkers working from home. I mean, if you can sew, it's a fantastic job for a mum who wants to do some work during school hours. If you can get a machine at home and you can sew at home, then that's that's great, particularly at the moment, because you can carry on working. And I do know people that are making garments who use a whole selection of outworkers and don't have hardly any manufacturing taking place on their premises. Um, what they'll do is they'll do the cutting on the premises of all the various pieces from the fabric. 
And they'll bundle that up and then they'll drive that or take that round to various outworkers who'll work from home and do that in a time that suits them. So it's flexible working, flexible factory working. And I think we're going to see a lot more of that, definitely. So home workers and outworkers doing manufacturing jobs has got to be a good way to go going forward. So while we're on the subject of talking about working from home, when it comes to selling your product, how much of that can you do without traveling to big events or maybe you're selling your product at trade fairs or in pop-up shops or meeting people in person? I mean, up until now, I've always been a huge advocate for meeting people in person to do business. I've always said, come to our trade show, meet the exhibitors face to face. But now we're in this situation with the coronavirus where there's a lot of people who won't be one to come and do business face to face. It started making me think, actually, should we have a virtual version of our trade show instead? And it is something we've talked about at Make It British HQ for a while. And it's definitely something we're going to be fast tracking going forward because if people can't travel to an event, they still need to come and meet those manufacturers and get that information. And actually, when we only do the event once a year, what happens in between when people still want to find those manufacturers at other times? So watch this space about details about the virtual event and yeah, it certainly changed our mindset about how we feel about meeting face to face. So it's something else that's come out of this whole situation is that how can we still make those connections for the manufacturers and the businesses that we know that make in the UK if we can't do it in person? I mean, who knows how long the coronavirus might go on for, especially, you know, at the moment, there's never been a more important time for people to find local manufacturers. And we want to make sure we can find that solution for people and make that work, even if they can't travel somewhere in person. So it certainly changed our mindset too. And you should be looking at that for your business. So if you're relying on totally selling your products by meeting people face to face or going to pop up shops and doing fairs, what method do you have of selling your products if you can't do that? How well developed is your website? How good is your marketing so that you can reach people online, be that through social media or by getting visibility by being in something like our Make It British directory? How are you reaching out to people if you can't go and meet them in person um, over the next few months? And should you make sure you have that as part of your mix for how you're selling your products or how you're meeting new customers, that you have got an online version and an online strategy as well as an in-person one? So it can teach all of us so much from what's happened here about the way we do business going forward and how we need to make sure we have a contingency in place when things like this happen, and God forbid that they, they that nothing else happens going forward. So I'd love to hear what your thoughts are about how the coronavirus has affected you, how it's affected your supply chain, and how it has affected how you might think about selling your product going forward and developing your product going forward. Are you making more commitment to your manufacturer if you're working with one, to, to let them know that you need their production space and to make sure you secured that. 
are you looking for alternatives that are more local to ones you might be using currently? And if you're a manufacturer, what are you doing about your raw materials and where they're coming from? And what would happen? What's your contingency if you have to shut your factory? Have you got an ability for your staff to work at home? Thought-provoking times. Please email me. I'd love to hear from you. I really would. Kate at makeitbritish.co.uk is my personal email address. I really love to hear feedback from people about how they're feeling currently with this situation. And I hope to see you at the show next week on the 17th and 18th of March. We will be putting out announcements to everyone who's on our mailing list, everyone that's registered for a ticket and everyone that follows us on social media to keep you updated with what's going on at the show. As it currently stands, we're going ahead, but who knows? Who knows what might happen in the current week? Just make sure you keep yourself and your loved ones safe. And I'll be back here next week on the Make It Bridges podcast, hopefully feeling slightly more positive about things. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Make It British podcast. If you're interested in finding UK fashion, textile and homeware manufacturers, then you should definitely come to our trade show, Make It British Live on the 17th and 18th of March, 2020. There'll be some of the best UK factories there for you to meet, as well as a series of inspiring talks, just like the ones that you listen to on this podcast. It's the perfect place to network with others that want to see UK manufacturing thrive. To register to attend, just go to makeitbritishlive.com forward slash register. Or if you want to find out about exhibiting at the show, visit makeitbritishlive.com forward slash exhibit or drop me an email to kate at makeitbritish.co.uk. I'd love to hear from you. I hope to see you there. Bye bye.